This is Wesley Huff. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Today on the line, I have with me Shaka Founderson, and I'll get Shaka to share a little bit about himself in a minute, but uh, I do have to admit that today's topic is one that I'm really looking forward to, if for no other reason than the topic of athletics, and particularly the intersection of faith and sport, is something that has really been a significant part of my own life, but... I haven't actually talked about it in a public setting, and there's no real specific reason for that, but I don't get a chance to talk about it a whole lot. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into that topic, um, sharing, I'm sure we'll get into it about my own faith journey and how sport and athletics played into that. But Shaka, welcome to the AC Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. You betcha. Um, Why don't you share a little bit about yourself for the listeners? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so my name is Shaka. I uh, am a recent graduate. When I say recent graduate, I mean about two years ago of George Brown College in Toronto. Um, I Before that, I was at the University of Toronto for about two years. I played football, uh, had an injury, relearned my faith and made it my own. Before that, I went to school in a small town called Oakville in Ontario. And wow, and even before that, so I, I moved from Africa. So I was born in Liberia. That's the west coast of Africa. Lived in Ghana, lived in South Africa, and then lived in Kenya, and then moved to Canada when I was about 10. Uh, And so sports and faith have been a big part of my life ever since, shoot, ever since I can remember. Yeah, my parents are strong Christians. I grew up in the church. It's been a big part of my life, and I'm I'm excited to to be be here. Yeah, and is that that uh, sport in general? Um, was it particularly football or, or what kind of sports does your, your background in athletics encompass? Everything, <laughs> anything and everything. I'm pretty sure that my first, ex- my first exposure to sports was track and fields. Awesome. And I remember being in awesome. Kenya and being and, and running track. That was my first experience. And then I gravitated towards swimming at that point as well. And I was competitive swimmer for four years and it was such a thrill my only thing about swimming is i do not like backstroke i cannot handle water on my nose (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you on that one absolutely um you and i actually met uh through the organization athletes in action um and so you were involved in athletes in action at the university of toronto is that is that correct yes sir i was And so um, I was asked to do a talk on uh, conversational evangelism and apologetics. And so that's when you and I first crossed paths. Um, But I've been following you on on social media for a little bit uh, because uh, we we have a number of crossovers, not just with sort of the campus ministry work, but but also um, I've really appreciated the stuff that you've shared on social media about about sport and how that uh, plays into it. How do you see uh, a need for, say, uh, a ministry within the intersection between faith and sport? Because you currently, you can explain this a little bit more, but you're part of an organization uh, that interacts with athletes. Yes, sir. Okay, so I'll get to that organization in, in a second. The way I see the need for ministry in sport is that 
a lot of athletes identify themselves solely with their sport. And it's very hard when that sport's when that sport is done because their whole world is wrapped up in the sport. Once it's done, they think the world's world comes to an end. And it's I was at that point as well. When I left the University of Toronto, I unfortunately had to stop playing football as well. And so I was in a a state of despair, a state of depression a little bit, just because I didn't know what to do next. I really, really thought that I was meant to be at the University of Toronto for, you know, the full four or five years or whatever it is to play my sport and then go on and do other things. But that just wasn't the case. And so it took me a lot of time, took me a lot of many hours with Athletes in Action and talking to some mentors and talking to a lot of different people to really come to understand that my identity wasn't wrapped up in sport. And so that's that's where I see faith and sport coming together. And even in that, a lot of a lot of athletes are very I'll speak I'll speak personally, but a lot I I was very egotistical. I thought that, you know, the world revolved on me when I played my sport just because I had some talent here and there. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that I thought I was I was really, really good. And so, you know, everything was because of my own merit and when things came crashing down, it was because no, I had to work harder. I didn't really play sports for Christ at that point. It wasn't really a form of worship for me. Uh, and then when I learned who I was in my sport and when I learned who I was in, in Christ, then everything changed for me. Every play I made was because of him. I wanted to give glory back to him. Win, lose, draw, the glory went right back to God. And that's and that's kind of where it all changed for me. Not going to the organi- organization, at that point of me being lost and uh, a little, a little just really down on myself, I decided that I wanted to make a change in the culture of sport. It wasn't just a me thing. I noticed that a lot of athletes had this identity crisis, quote unquote. A lot of athletes felt that they had to make it big or else they were nobodies. They had no value in the world. And that, you know, once sports was done, they didn't know how to do anything else. I don't think that's that's the truth. I really don't believe that's the truth at all. And I don't think at a young age, athletes are really taught that their value is, is held so much higher than just in what their bodies can do on the field. And so I started this organization called Beyond the Game. And what we do is we teach athletes about all the different transferable skills that they have through sport and how they can use sport as a platform to do so many other things. Now, it's not primarily a Christian organization, but because I am a Christian, because I did start it, that's where I cannot and will not hide my faith. And I'm very open about it to all my all my clients, all my athletes I talk to. They know that my joy and my passions come from Christ and this is where I'm taking it. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I can really relate to that in terms of uh, being an athlete myself. Um, I was a, I was a track and field athlete in, in high school. And uh, I was a little bit of a big fish in a small pond up in northern Ontario. And um, I was I was decent. I wasn't amazing, but I wasn't I wasn't bad by any means. And um, I eventually went to York University on a an intro scholarship to track and field. And and a lot of my identity was wrapped up in the results. And I can totally relate to the fact that uh, that can all come to a screaming halt, especially with injuries. I pulled both my hamstrings um, and uh, I had uh, all sorts of uh, residual issues from overtraining. And, you know, I was convinced going into university that um, 
I was going to be the next Eric Little. If, if the listeners uh, know the story of Eric Little, a famous uh, track and field athlete uh, in the, the early decades uh, of the turn of the century. And he, he was this figure who eventually went on to the Olympics and was famous for not running on Sunday and, and really lived his faith out. And I was convinced that due to certain experiences in my past that God had a plan for me to not only be a track and field athlete, but be an Olympic track and field athlete. And to do those things for his glory. And um, I mean, it very quickly turned into, you know, me justifying that athleticism and putting the the center on me and not on God. And uh, I think it's a, a good reminder. Um, I mean, John Calvin, one of his famous lines is that our hearts are a factal, a factory rather for idols. And uh, we, we obviously can turn anything into an idol, but I think it's a, there is something different and I might be overplaying my hand here about the, about athletics and just the, the culture around athletics, especially if you even have a little bit of, of talent and work ethic. Um, there's a lot of, you know, language of you can, you can do uh, whatever you put your mind to and you can make and create your own destiny. And I, I, I mean, there are nuggets of truth in that, but yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. It's a lot of athletics is based on merit and how can you as the individual, as a human, do everything in your power to achieve these levels of greatness. Um, it's very the very selfish thing. And, and at that point, it really does put sports up on that pedestal as, as another idol in that it takes away from the God-given abilities. It takes away from what we're placed on this earth to do. And the culture of sport praises the people who make it to these extreme levels of, of success. Like you see, you see all the, the top end athletes and their, their praise for their abilities to, to play their sports. And they've worked extremely hard. Don't do not get me wrong. I'm, I'm never going to downplay the amount of work that goes into becoming a successful athlete. But I do think that a lot of, a lot of athletes don't really understand one where the talent comes from and why they play their sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure that goes into that, especially on the on the individual level. In terms of uh, the work that you do, um, how do you see that pressure being played out, either in individual contexts or uh, from the culture at large? How do you see our culture playing into some of the the negative impacts that that sport can play on that? Well, like, like I mentioned before, it's a uh, our culture really puts sports on a, on a pedestal and it's creating this ideology that it's the end all be all. And these athletes have nothing to do, but just play their sport. And it was funny. I um, recently watched a video by now New York Jets running back Le'Veon Bell. He went on social media and was, was kind of criticizing his fans uh, for saying that, Oh, Le'Veon Bell is doing this. Le'Veon Bell is doing that. He's not focusing on football and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of went back at them and said, well, does Beyonce wake up singing? Does Beyonce wake up, you know, making music or does LeBron James wake up playing basketball all day long? Like, no, we have, they have other passions. And so the culture of sport really presses into, into athletes and makes them, Going back to, to, to ancient times with, with gladiators, like gladiators were forced to fight for, for people's entertainment, but they weren't thought about as anything else. Nowadays, you know, athletes are essentially the same way. Like no one really cares about what the athlete does off the field. All they want to see is the athlete perform on game day. And that's it. 
They don't want to hear about them anywhere else. They don't want to hear them speak up with anything else. They just want to see the athlete perform. And so athletes, some athletes are really given this false sense of of love and, ad- and admiration from the fans because of this and because they don't they don't know where love comes from within them they don't know that love comes from christ they buy into that and then they want to keep working harder and they think that they're nothing because of that is it's a giant circle and, and with my work i'm trying to help athletes especially y- younger athletes i my, tar- my target market is our high school and, and younger i'm trying to help these athletes learn from a very young age that they have way more to offer the world than just what they can do on game day or on on meet day it's so much bigger than that and so if a fan comes to them like hey you know you were terrible on sunday okay cool i'm gonna go and run my business or you know okay you know you were you played so well on um on on saturday it's like okay thank you i appreciate that but now i'm gonna go do what i'm really passionate about you know they they don't they don't find their value in what other people tell them they they know who they are and they know that there's so much more than just their sport Hmm. yeah that's true and up up until now I i think we've we've touched on the fact of perceived failure in sport but how do you speak to individuals and particularly uh, within the idea of placing your identity in something as tangible as sport in light of success? Um, I, I think just off the top of my head, there was um, a 60 Minutes interview with Tom Brady. Um, oh, man, probably going back about about 10 years now. I think uh, it was um, when he, he won his fifth Super Bowl back in 2009, around there. And he gives this interview and he says, uh, kind of says, you know, well, I hope this isn't all there is, because if this is all there is, I mean, that's that's kind of depressing. How how do we talk about, say, language of of purpose and identity? And and you mentioned that your faith plays into this and that you don't you don't hide that fact because that creates an environment for a grounding of it. But how do we talk about identity and sort of the identity crisis that a lot of athletes go into uh, in regards to success and getting to uh, the, the top of that pedestal. Mm-hmm. So one thing one thing my dad has always said to me like well growing up he always said this to me because I was so wrapped up in my sport. He he always said sports is a means to the end, not the end in itself. And I'll, I'll say that one more time. Sports is a means to the end, not the end in itself. I was so focused on making it pro playing football and I was so gung-ho about I'm going to play pro sports. I'm going to get my family out of poverty. We were never in poverty, but I'm just, it's been um, fantasizing, you know, like you you want to do everything you can. You want to buy your parents a house. You want to do this. You want to do that. And I realized very quickly that when I'm successful, that's not it for me. There's so much more to it than just that. And once once athletes figure out what they're passionate about, which is another part of the program, we help we help them figure out their passions, their dreams. We, you know, once once they're able to be successful, like once that success does happen for them, we can tell them, hey, this is this is what you you've been given. And unfortunately, our culture praises success in this way but you can use that use that platform you've been given to do so many other things like i have some friends that play in the cfl one of my my best friends Declan cross he plays for the toronto argonauts with his platform of of being a professional athlete he's able to go to different schools and talk about 
bullying and talk about, you know, that bullying is bad, bullying hurts people and, you know, you know, how can we address this? And he's able to share his story of when he was in high school and, and how he's able to go and do and and how he was able to kind of turn it around for himself. And it's a message that it's being shared across the country, not just by him, but a lot of professional teams have anti-bullying programs. Like the Toronto Argonauts ones, for example, is called Huddle Up. Uh, so they, that's what they do. And I see a lot of good being done with success, if that makes sense. It just they, the people have to understand where their passions lie outside of their sport. Like if they're if they're they're still stuck in their sport, then then they won't be able to do much with it. But if they're able to understand that they have a larger impact with success, then that's when we can really see good things happening. A lot of Christian athletes are doing great things in the communities with their success that they've been given, uh, with the platforms that they've been given, and they understand the platforms. Maybe controversial, but Colin Kaepernick, he did many great things with the platform he was given. He went about it in a way that created a big stir up in, in the NFL with, with kneeling during the national anthem but he always made a point that it's, it was never about the anthem he just wants to start the conversation he wants people to start listening to him um, and that he sacrificed his entire career for it but because of the platform he was given he was able to do great things and a lot of athletes in the NFL have, have taken that lead and now because the conversation is there they're doing great things in the communities they're joining they're joining the police force and with the community they're creating conversations between all that to try to create change in what and where they see broken pieces hmm. yeah so this is a, a Christian apologetics podcast and, and you are a, a Christian. And so I'm just wondering how does, although you mentioned that the organization isn't specifically a faith-based organization, but how does the Christian worldview impact this conversation about faith and sport and identity and what we can do to really, um, really adjust our mentality in terms of a culture that is is in some ways very obsessed with success. The individuals within the culture who we set up as the ideal, a good portion are athletes, particularly professional athletes. And so how do you, how would you talk about, uh, say, the Christian worldview and how that plays into the conversation of faith and just some of the things we've been talking about with identity in regards to that? Mm-hmm. I think it all starts with understanding who God is. And the Bible tells us that God is love. And I think once we understand that God is love, it our language changes and our thoughts change. And uh, you hear people saying, oh, all I want is love. All I want is people to love me. If you if you understand that God is love, you then the language becomes all I want is God. All I want is God within me. You kind of see where I'm going with that? It's mm. the whole language changes and you understand that all the praise and admiration you get from the fans and all the praise you get from you know, your parents or your colleagues, you're looking for something and that something is love. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to one of my mentors, Vince Luciani. He runs an organization called Legacy Coaching. And He's Catholic as well, and this is his message. He's, he's saying that everybody's looking for love, but we don't need love from other people. It's all within you. And that, and to me, when I when I was working with him, I understood that as God is within you. As a Christian, God is within you. And so it's not looking for 
justification from other people is like you look look towards God, look towards God, and that's that's where you get your peace from. That's where you get your your satisfaction from. You're you're very content with who you are, and it's you you don't have to search that in any in anybody else, and it won't come in victories, it won't come in losses, it won't come in uh, your accolades, but it's already there. God's already validated you. He's already told you that you're His child, and that's more than enough for someone. And that's so when when people look look for it in other places, I tell my athletes all the time, like it's you don't have to look for it in other places. If you know who you are as a Christian or not, if you know if you know who you are, you're not looking you're not looking for validation in X, Y, and Z. You know, and so it's yeah, it reminds me of of the fact that uh, a lot of these identity issues that we run into, whether that's in sport or business or sex or w- whatever we're pursuing, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's really a worship issue. We're all going to worship something. It's not a matter of whether you are or you're not worshiping. It's a matter of what you're worshiping. Exactly. And I think it's so easy, especially within uh, all of the all of the voices within our culture to think that, you know, the paycheck, that's the goal. And um, our inclinations towards our actions and our time and our money, well, that's to pursue more money or it's to pursue sex or it's to pursue greater athleticism or it's to pursue the audience or it's to pursue the podium. And I think uh, just as you were speaking there, I was I was reminded of the fact that um, our hearts are always going to be inclined to search for something. And I mean, uh, G.K. Chesterton said that um, even the man walking into the brothel is searching for God. And uh, I think if we have that perception that we are in our transgressions, in, in how we go astray and how we lose ourselves uh, in this world... Um, a big part of that is is a worship issue. And I think it's so easy because we see our culture so obsessed with success in, in athleticism. You know, whether that be the recent you know, Toronto Raptors uh, hype. Uh, you and I live in, in sort of the, the greater Toronto area. And so uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily a basketball fan. But all of a sudden, the Raptors are doing well and the entire town is on board. And it's exciting. And there is a level of of energy that you can sort of um, pull in, in my case, from bandwagoning. But, um, but at the same time, you see where validation in our culture comes from. And um, you see, you know, individuals uh, like Kawhi Leonard and how much appreciation and uh, just validation from the culture that he gets. And it's tempting to want that and that have that as uh, our worship center in our lives. You know, that's that's a real temptation, especially for a lot of athletes. And especially, uh, I think, um, not to speak for you, but myself and a lot of individuals who I knew who were involved in athletics uh, very early on, you know, we're still trying to figure out who we are and what our identity is. And in those those years in middle school and elementary school and high school, uh, there's a lot of growth going on. And there's a factor of finding yourself when you find a niche within sport. And there's a lot of good that comes with that and, and the community. But 
it's easy to lose focus and lose sight and and have that as something that's pulling your attention away from thinking about who you are in a proper context. Just in terms of the organization beyond the game, can you share a little bit more about how that works? Do you do sessions with individuals and teams? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So we we have individual clients. We do team workshops. We will do keynote speaking. It's also not just athletes. It is an athlete-focused organization because as an athlete myself, I, I feel like I, I understand the mindset of an athlete. So we're a, I'm able to take lessons through sport and apply it to real life. But we, we actually have some talks with a few high schools lined up. And so it's it's not just athletes but yes we do you know the the one-on-ones we do the group sessions we do uh online coaching we do team workshops we do a lot of different things yeah and in in this culture that we live in how have you found the reaction from a lot of the the students and athletes uh, that you talk with what is the the response that you get when you you speak into the fact that um, this isn't it, that there's a, a level of, of something more, something beyond just the athletic goals. What are the typical responses that you get? So it's actually funny. When I first started, I thought that, you know, this is completely new and no one ever thought about it. And then going into some, some of these workshops, I realized these kids are very intuitive. They understand a lot more than that I, I gave them credit for initially. And so, you know, the answers were, were really deep and they understood more. But I think for them, it's the real life application of these lessons. And so what, what we do, we give them real life examples. We make things very relatable for them. For example, you know, we talk about uh, resiliency and um, and character. And you, we mentioned LeBron, not, not LeBron, we mentioned Michael Jordan and how he was cut from his uh, grade nine basketball team. Team. And um, you know, we, we say things like, you know, he's the second best player in the world, and we get a huge uprising from kids, and and it's it's, it's making it all relatable for them. And once it's relatable, once they understand the factors of it, then they can under, they understand more about it, and then they make it more applicable to themselves. And I've actually found a pretty good reaction from a lot of from a lot of athletes. They, they're really appreciative of my team coming in to to speak on these topics and i don't think it's something that they hear very often i don't think that it's very it's made very relatable for them i think it's very theoretical to a point before we come in because you know they hear oh you have to go to school you have to do this you have to do that cool why and we we give them we give them answers why we tell them how they can do it we tell them how they can um again make it applicable to their own lives how have you found being a witness to a lot of young athletes and people who are may even just be starting out on their athletic journey? How has the cultural mindset and the conversation, how, how is it the same as you remember it when you were sort of coming into your own in your athletic career? And what's changed? What about the culture of, um, well, the culture in general, but also the culture of, of sport has changed. Have you noticed any things that stand out to you at all in, in those two regards? Quite, quite a bit, actually. Um, and now we're we're in the age of social media. We're in the age of you know, you know big things popping on Instagram or on Snapchat, and a lot of a lot of athletes are seeing things like at at a moment's notice, and they're seeing all the flashiness, and they're seeing all the the mixtapes and the highlight tapes, and they're seeing the best of the best of all these major athletes. With that, they're also seeing a lot of the off-field aspects of the game. They're seeing a lot of they're seeing a lot of 
things that athletes do, you know, off the court. They're seeing things, they're seeing athletes with their families, they're seeing athletes in their, their meetings, they're seeing athletes do all these different business ventures and they're nowadays they're exposed to a lot more and they're they're aware of a lot more whereas back when i was growing up i feel like i'm sounding like i sound like i'm 50 i'm 25 years old i'm not that old um back uh, in back in my day when the kids (laughs) exactly so back when i was growing up we didn't we didn't have instagram it wasn't really a thing when i was in high school nor snapchat and so a lot of um we we didn't necessarily see all the off field stuff. We saw everything that was going on, on the field, and we were super excited about that. We we like to mimic what all our favorite athletes did, and so you know we would we get on the field, we practice this, we do that, and our athletic ability kind of grew, grew within that. But nowadays, they're seeing everything. They're seeing they have essentially instant access to all their favorite athletes' lives. And so they're, for example, they see LeBron James with his Taco Tuesdays and, you know, now people want to eat tacos. Or they see, I don't know, they, they see all these different athletes do work in the communities and, like, now they're more willing and more inclined to do work in the communities. And so it's, the mindset has changed to a certain degree. Um, I do think that there's still some work to be done just because there's the priority is still in athletics for them and so they want to be flashy they want to have you know for basketball the quick handles for for football they want to be slim and they want to be they want to move fast and the, the, the game is changing because of all of this as well and the mindset isn't solely on sports and they see many different things so as my organization organization comes in we want to play to that we want to take all that in into account and when we speak as athletes we want to bring all these different things in with us Hmm. This might be a, com- a completely different side note. Um, I was just curious in terms of the conversation around performance enhancing drugs. Do you see any of that being played into it or like the, the pressures that a lot of young athletes face? Uh, I want to say no, but I've heard a lot of athletes joke about it. Even in jokes, there's always some, some nugget of truth. And so I don't think it's as big with you know a lot of younger athletes, but I I definitely have heard it and try to see them away. We we talk about morals and character, and we you know I like I'm a firm believer in you don't need any drugs to get yourself up a level. You just need to just just work work a little bit harder. Get you know get in the gym. Make sure you put up extra hours of, of work on the field or or on the ice. That that's kind of where the conversation goes. It's not as big for me to talk about because I don't hear it as much. Hmm. Yeah, and I sort of threw you a curveball there. It just came to the top of my mind. I mean, I actually recently met with my high school track and field coach um, when I went back and visited home back in March. And uh, we were just talking back and forth. And one of the things that he told me was that he said he had a vivid memory of a a particular track meet Uh, here in Ontario. There is a gradation of sports within the high school system, depending on which area you live in or um, which district within a bigger city, like city of the city of Toronto. And where I was in Northern Ontario, you had what was called um, regionals, and then you had Nissa, which is the area of the North Shore, and you had NASA, which was all of Northern Ontario. And then depending on your standing at NASA, you went to Offsa, which was uh, all of Ontario. It was at NASA, the Northern Ontario Division, where, uh, as I said, I was a, a, a very big fish, but in a very small pond. And so I, um, uh, I think it was either grade 10 or 11, he said, and I smoked the competition in the 100 meter final. And he said he just remembered thinking, oh, boy, 
I don't know if I want Wes to be that good because one day if he pursues this, he's going to have to confront the issue of there's only so far he can go naturally. I mean, that that complete thought process was was unbeknownst to me, but it was definitely definitely a a conversation or at least a thought process in my head later on um, as you know you hear rumors here and there you know so and so might be taking something and um, within uh, the university system occasionally you had to pee in a cup and give some blood uh, and so uh, so that was a reality but I've always found that that conversation um, interesting and like I said a bit of an aside but in in terms of the the ethics I mean there's this constant pressure in our culture to, you know, be bigger and stronger and faster. And yet there's, there's a, a widespread condemnation of any type of performance enhancing drugs. I mean, I, I trained at the York University facility and um, Ben Johnson was a frequenter. He, he coached there. And I mean, he's the poster boy for steroids, um, maybe in, in all of sports and athletics, no, never mind just track and field. And ironically, in that uh, 1988 hundred meter final, um, uh, seven out of the eight competitors uh, eventually were all uh, caught for some sort of performance enhancing drug. And he uses that as sort of his his uh, excuse. You know, everybody was on it. I was just the one who I was just the fastest and I got caught. Um, and so the, the question of ethics and grounding that um, has always been a, a, an interesting uh, just thought in my mind, um, because uh, at a certain level, you know, that may or may not be a, a reality and a temptation. But, but once again, um, as a Christian, you have a voice to be able to speak into those types of conversations and uh, ground it ethically and say, you know, this isn't bad just because society says it's bad, but there's a, there's a morality, um, there's a fairness, there's a, you mentioned the word character. That's a big thing, character and virtue. And those really, that's an outpouring of what we get from the Judeo-Christian worldview. And I think it's really cool that you get to speak into uh, the lives of, of so many young athletes in that way. Well, Shaka, thanks so much uh, for being our, our guest on today's podcast. I uh, really appreciate that. How can our listeners find out more about you and, and your work, either on social media or your website? Why don't you just give a couple shout outs to that? Absolutely. And first of all, I, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you reaching out. And I, this is this is my passion. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So uh, our website is www.gobeyondthegame.ca. On Instagram, you can find us at beyond underscore the game and and you know our socials kind of flow flow through, uh, through there and so it's I, I love this it's something I'm, I'm super passionate about feel free to email me contact me call me anything I'm more than happy to talk about this all day long awesome well the AC podcast is a ministry of apologetics Canada and we will come back next week with more things to think about 